Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ezra Lip Hour, more or less. Today we have Neil Casal. I don't really do any of this to be successful. There's a different source of energy that keeps me doing this, and, and that's the work itself. You know, I, I'm fascinated endlessly by the process of writing songs, singing, playing guitar, making records. You know, the sum total of being a musician is something that interests me deeply. And in most ways, I would say it interests me more now than it ever has, actually. It felt like the first 20 years were just a warm-up, really, for a lot of the best things to come. And there will be much more Neil in a moment. But before that, hey, everyone, how you doing? Nice to speak with you again. So, um... I've been thinking, uh, doing this podcast for a little while now, and um, I've been evaluating the clip. And um, as you know, I've been putting out about an episode a week, more or less. As you know, I have, I have, I'm wearing many hats these days. I, I'm not a, a full time podcaster. I, um, although it feels like that a little bit, but um, no. But I, I, you know, I am a band leader. I. Uh, I am a freelance drummer playing drums all the time. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm writing music. I'm, I'm being a, a family man. I'm uh, traveling, you know, doing, doing lots of stuff. So anyway, where I'm going with all this is I've been evaluating the pace of the podcast. And I feel like I'm going to try to scale it back just a little bit. And rather than try to do like three or four episodes a month, uh, I'm just going to try one every other week. So about two a month, which is honestly like a little lighter than maybe I'd like to. Um, I, I would like to do a little more output because it's it's so fun and, and it's it's really satisfying to, to share all these. However, I still feel like it's going to be pretty consistent and really it's going to allow me to um, not feel overwhelmed as much with, um, you know, the pressure to put so many of these out when I'm trying to do all this other stuff. It's very much a labor of love uh, at this point, and it, and it does take a considerable amount of time with um, with all the elements that go into it. I won't elaborate too much now, but just trust me, it, it, it takes a fair amount of time to get one of these out to you. There's a lot of components and editing and all that. So anyway, wanted to let you know that. So um, it's been just about two weeks since the last episode with Russ Lawton. And uh, I think it'll. I'm going to just try to, even though I have an episode almost ready for you, I think I'm just going to try to space it out and uh, give myself some breathing room so I can, you know, focus on the other projects I got going on too and keep everything at optimal quality because I believe it's about quality and not quantity, don't you? And it can be, uh, it can be hard to remember that in, in today's digital age, but that's, that's, that's a different story altogether. They had to beat him to death with his own shoe. All right. Anyway, um, I got a I got a few things to uh, get off my chest. I love your ratings and reviews. Thank you so much. I've gotten nine five star iTunes reviews. That means so much to me. And if you've written a review or left a rating, I really appreciate it. So anyway, I have nine. If maybe I can try to get fifteen in the next two weeks, maybe six more people could just drop into iTunes and and if you're enjoying the show leave a review it it really helps it'll help it in the future it'll help it in the present and uh just just as this project evolves and all the elements get better it your support really um matters and uh, I'm not asking for a financial support at this time but yes just some rating would be really great um and you know later I'll probably hit you up for money just to full disclosure but it's going to be a while or a little while all right, but it's always going to be free. Don't worry, I'm rambling. All right. Also, you can feel free to uh, sign up for the mailing list on my website uh, on a link on the show notes. That is always helpful. I'm trying to get those out. It's been a little while, but uh, you know that keeps you informed of all the stuff that's going on in the podcast and otherwise with myself. All right, moving right, right along. I, I got to uh, I got to say one other thing, which is just about my band, Magic and the Other. I'm very proud to uh you know still have this new project steve adams from alo and nikki bloom on the gramblers is playing bass 
my uh, good friend and amazing guitarist Roger Riedelbauer, an Oakland-based uh, guitarist, is playing guitar. It's a really sweet trio. Where we've been doing well, practicing a lot, and we're going to be doing a residency this fall, for those of you in the Bay Area, at a little little club called the Ivy Room in Albany, outside of Berkeley. And we're going to be playing six Wednesdays between October and December. We're going to have a different band on each night. And uh, this is the first time I'm speaking about it uh, officially, I believe, although we should be announcing um, this week by the time you're, you're listening to this episode. And uh, just so look out for that. I'll, I'll just tell you it, it's the first and third Wednesday of October and December and the third and fifth of November. A little, a little convoluted, but you know, you could always check online. So on October 4th, we're going to be playing with the band El Duo. On October 18th, we're going to be playing with a casual coalition featuring Mark Karen and Ross James. On November 15th, we're going to be playing with the, uh, this new band called Sis, which features members of the Jazz Mafia and the band Mirna and uh, other great folks. 1129, Reed Mathis and Friends. Who knows what that's going to be, but I bet it's going to be sweet. Um, December 6th, my really good friends in this amazing uh, kind of indie surf band called Fairlawns are super fun. I'm really excited to have them. And then the December 20th, at the time of this recording of this introduction, we still have not filled that date. I have some calls out to some folks, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll be soon. That's TBA, but we will be there December 20th as well. Okay, and also um, we're going to be at the Terrapin Crossroads Bar on September 27th, this uh, this coming Wednesday. If you're listening to this the week, it's out. All right, moving right along. Man, Neil Casal, there's so much there's so much to say. So if you're not familiar with Neil, he's an amazing guitarist, amazing songwriter and singer. He uh, had a very prolific solo career starting in the in the early or mid 90s. He put out um, 12 re- solo records under his own name over the years um, before uh, he would join Ryan Adams and the Cardinals band in the mid-2000s and, and play with him for four years, the amazing Ryan Adams. And now for the last six or seven years, he's been playing full-time in the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. Uh, Chris Robinson, of course, from the Black Crows, and they've built that band from the ground up and are on tour right now and are killing it, playing all over the country. Um Neil leads a group called Circles Around the Sun, which started out as a project that Justin Kreutzmann, the son of the Grateful Dead's drummer, Bill Kreutzmann, asked them to uh, record some music to be played for the uh, Grateful Dead's 50th Fare Thee Well concerts at Separate. So um, Neil put this band together, Circles Around the Sun. They put out several hours of uh, improvisational recordings. It played at Soldier Field, it, it played at Santa Clara, it got great reception, and, and they've done a handful of shows since then, so he has that band. He also plays with Hardworking Americans, which is like a, the super group with Todd Snyder and um, Dave Schools and Jesse Acock of, uh, and Dwayne Trucks of Widespread Panic and Chad Staley of Great American Taxi, so a bunch of um, heavy hitters in that one. And of course, Neil also plays with Phyllis and friends from time to time. He's performed with Bob Weir and, and a slew of others. I mean, he's just he's been on the music scene for a long time, collaborated with many people, been on hundreds of records, been featured as a, a session musician. And he's kind of like, you know, he can be a sideman. He could be a leader. He's he's really um, he can jam. He could shred. He can play, to, you know, very tastefully and, and, and simply he, he can really do do a lot and um he's a really great guy i've i've gotten the pleasure of playing with him a handful of times with uh with with phil and friends and um and it's always a blast and and he's a he's a he's a really beautiful player and and a great guy we had a really easy nice chat and he kind of went through uh you know the trajectory of his career and shared a lot of great stories and wisdom and I don't need a, you'll hear it in a second, but anyway, thank you, Neil. That was, that was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And, um, I think you will too. So there's my spiel without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with the one and only Neil Casal. How's, how's it going? Nice to uh, hear your voice. How's the tour going? Yeah, everything's good, man. Yeah, really good. You know, we're just, uh, 
continue, continuing what we do. It's a lucky thing to be able to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like you are on quite a, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I was looking at your calendar and pretty much booked out for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's cool though, man. I love it. You know, you do. Yeah. You don't get, you don't get tired. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get tired, but like, don't you get tired doing everything? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's a like good life point. is just tiring. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm serious. Like life is tiring, you know, it's just, it's, it, I, I have no problem like exhausting myself in the name of, of this, you know, something I really like to do. So it's fine by me. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yep. I'm into it. You know, and I don't have any, I mean, it's cool. I have a, I have a life that's like built for this. You know, I don't have any like a family or anything. So it's not that hard for me to just kind of lock my door and leave, you know? Yeah. Was that, was that always part of, uh, was that a conscious choice, um, at some point not to have a family or did, did you just kind of end up where you are now and you're okay with it? Uh, well, you know, oh, well, I'm okay with it. Sure. You know, life just kind of lives you. I never really like, can't think that hard about it but um yeah it's where i am now and uh it's yeah it's like it's um it works for for the life that i have now you know like when the crb started i didn't know that um we were going to be touring this hard you know i didn't know any of these things were going to happen you know for us uh it was a chapter that I couldn't have predicted, so it happened the way it did. And as it turned out, you know, the the, the kind of lifestyle that I have, you know, it, it works well for for doing this. Although, you know, like I mean, three other three of the other guys in CRB all have families, you know, they're married, they have kids, and people make it work, you know. Yeah. If you you know if you, yeah if you find something you love to do, you, you know, do it at all at, at all costs, you know, because life is long but it can be short so you know if you if you have that thing you like doing it's a good thing not to waste that uh, you know that gift so no matter what like all of us are doing or what our lives look like we figure out a way to do this and we're equal in that whether you you know have a couple kids like Chris and Jeff do or you're like me and Adam who are uh, have a much you know lower overhead (laughs) sure yeah yeah it doesn't really matter we're all like we're like equal in our in our you know desire to like pursue a life in music like this do you feel like that weighs on those other guys at times um i think it does yes sure it must you know i i don't I don't, yeah, I'm sure that it does. Uh, you know, we don't talk about it a whole lot. Um, you know, cause men, they never really say much. They just sort of, you know, <laughs> mm, everything's great, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I know that the, I know Tony goes through, you know, some, some tough times. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, yes, I think so, but I can't speak for those guys. Uh, sure. cause you know, I'm not in their shoes, but yeah, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I, I can say for sure that, um, all three of the dudes in this band with kids are really dedicated fathers and family people. And, um, sure. Being away from your family is hard. So I know they go, go through their moments with it, you know, what do you, what do you think would be like the hardest equivalent for you when you're on the road? Um, <laughs> There isn't one. I don't think anything comes, there's nothing that can possibly come close to having, you know, you know, like a six year old at home that, that misses you. I mean, anything that I, yeah, any, there's nothing I can come up with that would, anything would sound laughable next to that. I mean, oh, I don't get to surf as much. I mean, really? Uh, I'm not even going to utter it. Oh, well, I already did too late. Um, yeah, there's, there's nothing, um, nothing compares. So, um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not that hard for me. I mean, you know, like being on tour all the time, it leaves you, I don't know, kind of 
it can leave you dislocated feeling and scattered. And when you get home, you kind of feel crazy for a week. And then by the time you settle in, it's time to leave again. So there's things that are, you know, difficult about it. Weird for sure. There's like reality challenges because you're in a different reality every day and you can kind of spin off into some bizarre state of mind for sure. But, um, <laughs> but no, uh, but yeah, being challenged in the way that those guys are, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know anything about it, honestly. Yeah. Could, so, could, could you elaborate on, on this, on these bizarre states of minds you might've experienced at some points? <laughs> well, you know, uh, um, it's like, it's like, um, well, okay. I live in Ventura, California, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm home and in Ventura, I'm not on, you know, and I'm not on tour. Um, my day-to-day reality is like anyone's day-to-day reality in the, in, in the town that they live in. You know, they, they go to the post office, they go to the coffee shop, they go to the store, you know, you drive around, you do your errands, you do your things. And like, there's a certain state that you're in, you know, when you're feeling comfortable and familiar in your surroundings and like, that's what your life is like. Um, so, uh, the CRB played Ventura for the first time. Uh, well, yeah, we pretty much the first time, uh, a few months ago. And I was in Ventura as if, I mean, I was on, I was in my hometown on tour, you know? Yeah. Right. And, uh, it felt, and it felt like an entirely different place. I was walking around the same streets, but you know, we rolled in on the bus and we kind of, you know, we rolled into town like we would any other town in any part of, uh, you know, the country, like on tour. And the, when I stepped off the bus and out into the streets of Ventura, and, you know, was like, okay, let's find food and let's do this and that, um, you know, let's do our, our, our tour tasks for the day. It's the reality was completely different. And I saw my own town where I live from an entirely different perspective. I saw people differently. I, uh, things that I normally wouldn't notice when I'm at home, I notice because those are the things that I notice on tour. So, like you know, uh, uh, well, like people, you know, like, well, what's this town like, you know, what are the people in this town? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever noticed, like when you, you know, people I hear it all the time, we do this. Like when you travel to a place that you haven't ever been before, you kind of make, get this like aggregate, aggregated impression of the people that you saw and the things you experience. And you come up with this, you know, way to talk about it. Like, well, you know, the people in, uh, Indianapolis, I mean, I don't know, they're just not that friendly, you know, you sure. just, yeah. like you could just come away with that. If you had five or six experiences that day that like turned you in that direction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that, but that wouldn't be what you come, came up with at all. If you lived there, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like, so, you know, yeah. And the, so I, I came away with impressions of the place where I live that I, because I was on tour and I wasn't at home, I saw, I just saw things differently. Um, this very same thing. So that's pretty weird. Um, you know, it's like a, yeah. it's like a psychedelic experience without taking psychedelics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just really weird reality trips that, um, you know, that catch my attention. And it reminds me not to make up your mind too heavily about any one thing ever, because the entire thing could change without having moved at all, you know? Um, So that's one thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's an important lesson because, you know, as you were saying, you you go through all these towns and make make these judgments about a place or the people there and then but realizing that it might be entirely different if if you you know spend any length of time there that's 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 powerful observation yeah but it's the same thing i mean you could you know you could say well i mean it could be the opposite you know well the people in indianapolis are amazing i love those people mm-hmm. them 
They're so friendly, you know? Right. But if you move there and live there for a year, you can come away going like, I don't, I just don't like that at all. So yeah, it's just, yeah. just um, it's just funny how your, you know, how your perspective can change. And, and most of the time you're just, you'd just be interacting with such a small part of, you know, small niche of the population anyway, that are like into going, go seeing, go, going to see your rock band, you know? So it's not even like you're getting an accurate impression in any way. Anyway. Oh, that, that, I, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, you're not, you're only getting like the three or four streets that you walk down, the two restaurants you went to, um, you know, yeah, the, the venue or whatever it is. So, I mean, you know, at the same time, you only have the perspective that you have, you know, you can't, you know, you can't deny that either, but it's just, um, it's just a trip how those things change when your context changes, you know, and that's what happened to me a few months ago in Ventura. I, we played the Ventura Theater, which is right downtown, but I was in the, uh, you know, the upstairs room there, and there was a window looking out over kind of the main street area. And I was looking down at this town that I walk through every day when I'm home. Uh, and it, it looked like an entirely different place to me. I it was unrecognizable. Hmm. Really strange. Speaking of changing contexts, I was researching you before this interview. And, and uh, you know, obviously I know we, we know each other and we played together and, you know, not, not a, you're not a stranger to me, but, uh, but I, I was actually, I, I didn't, I didn't realize the scope of your, your career and the, the depth and breadth to the extent that you've had it. Um, I, I almost want to say careers because it seems like you've, you've kind of like, maybe you could, maybe you can fill in some of the background, but essentially, as I understand it correctly, it's like, you started in the early mid nineties and, and you had a pretty prolific solo career. You put out, I think like 12 records and you were on different, different labels, uh, did touring where had successes and, and some failures and, you know, all this stuff. And then, yeah. and then eventually, you know, you were in Ryan Adams and the Cardinals for, for, uh, four or five years, I believe. Um, and that was mm -hmm. like a whole other, a whole other trip, I'm sure. And then, Obviously, in, in sure. 2011, things, you know, as you joined CRB, Chris Robinson Brotherhood, um, I'm, I'm guessing that was a, a pretty different leap from the world you were in uh, prior to that. Um, and now, you know, you're doing all the stuff you do now with uh, hardworking Americans and, and circles around the sun and filling friends. And um, so it, it, it's it's quite impressive. And, and I'm wondering if maybe you could speak a little to... Uh, some different stages that your career has gone through and, and what that was like, how you adapted to those uh, circumstances. And sure. Um, I, yeah, I can, I can do it and I can, I'll try to run it down, you know, um, succinctly. Um, let's see. Well, yeah, right. Uh, the early, the, the, the solo career as it were. Um, yeah, it started well, I'll tell you um, how that started. <clears throat> or there was a moment that really started it for me. Hmm. Uh, like when I was a teenager, late teenager, I had graduated high school and I was, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do either. I wasn't going to, going to college. Um, you know, I graduated high school and everybody disappeared. Everyone went off to college, most people. And I didn't because that wasn't in the cards for me. And I was playing music and I was really uh, passionate about it. I wanted it to be my life, you know, but I didn't really have any momentum yet. I was working in a music store. I don't know. I was uh, just kind of scrapping around in some local bands and trying to figure out my direction, you know. And um, this was in 1988 or nine. Um, a friend and I, who is still my manager now, is my best friend in the world, really. Um, we went to see Neil Young as we did a lot back then. And uh, we saw Neil Young playing solo acoustic mm. in this field. Uh, and it was an amazing show. And my friend who was a few years older than me, um, you know, knew where I was at in my life. And he, and he, and he turned to me and said, and pointed at Neil Young and said, when you're 40, you need to be doing that mm. or something like that. Um, 
you know, because Neil Young was probably in his early 40s then. And I don't know, we just, uh, it was just this lightning bolt moment, you know, where my friend said that. And I, I knew what he meant, uh, which, you know, because this was the 80s, remember. And the 80s were a really confusing time. There was horrible, <laughs> a lot of horrible, I mean, it was great music, but there was a lot of confusing like pathways for teenagers and young musicians to go down. It, 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 uh, yeah, it was a little bit confusing. Are you referring to major labels? What do you elaborate on? A lot of that. Just, I mean, just some of the, you know, just like some of the pop music, some of the, like some of the values then were really weird, you know? Um, yes, labels and like what you were expected to do and how you were expected to look and the music you were supposed to play. It was this weird time, you know, um, uh, of, you know, style and the way records sounded and the way everything sort of worked, you know, um, unless you were like on, on an underground level, which I wasn't, I was just, you know, I was just this kid from New Jersey trying to figure out what I was going to do. But, um, I knew the music that I loved and I wanted to pursue it in that direction but it was hard to find your way out of this 80s mentality hmm. so my friend kind of there was neil young you know uh just as authentic as you could possibly be um and he stood out you know and my friend said like you have you should you, in your own way you know you should pursue a path like that and uh he was completely right you know so it put something in my head and it set the course for me. And it's what I started doing basically not trying to imitate Neil Young, but, um, but I started learning to be a songwriter and a singer and a guitar player, um, you know, at that time. And let's see, I'll just cut, you know, and I, yeah, in the early nineties, I was making demos and writing songs and trying to get my act together and, uh, you know, I met some people and I auditioned for some record companies and things, you know, showcases and all those things that happened back then. Um, and it led to a publishing deal and then it led to, um, a record deal. Uh, and my first album came out in 1995. I think I was 25 or 26 years old. It took me a little while to get it going, but, um, yeah, on my first solo record, I worked with a great producer named Jim Scott and these older musicians, uh, Don Heffington, Bob Glaub, Greg Leaf. Mm. Uh, they're kind of legendary, like, session musicians and have played with so many people. Um, and they really taught me the ropes in many ways, and they showed me what real playing on a higher level is all about. And I learned from them what recording is like, what, how to really make records, um, how to arrange songs, you know, the, the entire uh, breadth of, you know, doing all of this. It took me years to learn. Um, okay, so that, that, wasn't, that wasn't just in the course of your first record, you learned all that. No, 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 it started on my first record, you know. Yeah, the, um, yeah uh, I remember Jim Scott, too, saying something to me. Now, Jim Scott's a producer, engineer, who um, he's worked on uh, countless records. You know, he engineered and mixed uh, Tom Petty's Wildflowers and Johnny Cash records. I mean, it just goes on and on, you know. Um, yeah, Robbie Robertson's, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, uh, the list escapes me, but it's long and, and staggering. And Jim was very much a mentor to me. And as I was about, when I was, had my first record deal and I was, um, you know, trying to figure out who was going to play on it, because uh, I was just a, a self-styled singer-songwriter at that point, you know. Um, I was I was hell-bent on learning how to write good songs and be a singer, and I was doing my own thing, you know. I, I had one very close, uh, partner, this guy, John Ginty, keyboard player, who's gone on to play with so many people and has had a great career on his own. Um, but he and I were partners then, but we didn't know, we didn't really have a band. And, uh, Jim Scott said to us, well, you know, look, sometimes you got to play with old guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was another, uh, that was another moment 
And of course, you know, by old guys, he meant guys who were then like 43, 44 years old, which is funny now that I'm almost 49. Um, right. uh, yeah, they seemed, they seemed old to me then, but of course they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jim said, you know, sometimes you got to play with older musicians and learn from them. So uh, Jim, you know, helped me assemble this team, this band, uh, you know, to make my first album. And, uh, I, you know, it was a great move because um, it's true. Sometimes younger people need to play with older people to to really learn what it's about, you know. And, uh, I mean, these guys had been in Bob Dylan's band, Jackson Brown's band, uh, you know, Jesse Ed Davis. And it goes on and on with them. Greg Weiss, I mean, yeah. if you look up his discography, it's jaw-dropping. And, you know, I like it's nice now because, you know, I've been friends with Greg for over 20 years and have played with him and recorded with him so many times. And, um, you know, those decisions at that point have really paid off for me just as, you know, as friends in music and learning to play and kind of having that as a backbone, you know? Um, uh, so I made, yes, I made, uh, several records in a short period of time. I was writing tons of songs. I was really obsessed and possessed by the whole thing. Um, and I wanted to make lots of records and I did. And I, I, um, and they were not successful, you know, uh, they didn't sell, I didn't have any hits or anything, but they did just well enough for me to keep making more. And I had people who did believe in me enough to let me keep making records. And, uh, and I toured a lot, uh, you know, I toured in Europe and in the States and I just, uh, I was working really hard. Um, you know, it amazes me now when I think about it because, I didn't really have any success per se. I didn't catch, I didn't catch like a success wave. Um, it was, it was really, uh, it was a struggle in many ways, but I was so driven to do it that I figured out a way to do it. And, um, you know, I, I worked for months on those albums. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I could go through each one, but that would take a long time. So, um, oh, I was going to ask if, if there's, if there's any you're like particularly proud of that, if someone wanted to check out your back catalog, where would be a good place to start? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my first record fade away diamond time is a special, uh, is a special one for me. Uh, you know, there's, it's by no means a perfect record. It's too mid tempo, and there's a few songs on there that bum me out. But there's a couple of real, there's a few really excellent songs, and there's a feeling about that record. Um, I don't know, a certain fresh face sort of vibe, if you will, that was very real. And um, I was so inspired at that time. And, uh, you know, I made the record in this beautiful house. Uh, there was a studio set up in a house, and Santa Inez, California, that was just this gorgeous place. And, you know, I had felt good at that time. I'd accomplished something that I was after, you know, uh, with my friends, you know, my friend Gary and me and John Ginty, you know, and knowing Jim Scott. And we've been working for years trying to build up to make a record. And and uh, we had, you know, this incredible rhythm section with us and Greg, and we were meeting all these people. And it was a, it was a really beautiful time in my life. And, you know, uh, like I said, it's, it's not a perfect record. I would do a little bit of it differently, but it's okay. Some of those songs, there's a few really beautiful tunes and the sound of the record stands up to this day. It's very simple, uh, direct sounding album, kind of, you know, timeless sounding because we intended it that way and we kept it, uh, simple. Uh, let's see. I mean, on every record, there's something that I like. Uh, you know, geez, uh, I forget some. Anytime Tomorrow's a good record. Basement Dreams has some cool stuff. I made that album in my house, mostly, in this little studio that I set up. Um, let's see, there's another... Well, it's moving into 2006. It jumps forward, but the record called No Wish to Reminisce is very good. My last few records... I like a lot. Roots and Wings uh, is 
probably my strongest collection of songs that I've ever had. And that was 2009. And then the last album I did in 2012 with our friend Tom Monahan, who's produced Vetiver and a couple of the Chris Robbins Brotherhood records. That was a really nice album, too. Had some, Sweet in, in the many distance. ways, like the be- Yeah, sort of, in a lot of ways, really the best record I ever ever made. So I don't know. It takes a long time to talk about all of it. It took years. I mean, we're talking, you know, 15, you know, 20, it's a 20 year trajectory and path. And I mean, there was a lot of things that happened uh, in between all of that. I mean, it was a lot of life. And yes, there were some failures. I got dropped from labels and, you know, went through personal, you know, lows and rough times and you know it's just like the struggle to do all of that stuff how did you respond to those uh trials like getting dropped or <laughs> personal lows well you know i got i mean the, the the first record i got dropped um from this label you know in the middle of the tour for my first album you oh, know geez. i said that yeah so yeah, that I mean that that didn't last very long at all, you know. Um, and I responded to that by making a record right away, and I went on to be more prolific than I ever was, you know, uh, than I ever had been. So I've always responded to those things with, um, you know, just by continuing on because I don't really do any of this to be successful. Um, I mean, I would, you know, we all want to do well and we want people to like us and all that and to like our work. And, uh, and, you know, you have to do well enough so it's not so difficult to just survive doing it. But I, I've never, there's a different source of energy that um, keeps me doing this. And, and that's the work itself. You know, I, uh, I'm fascinated endlessly by the process of writing songs, singing, playing guitar, making records, you know, the sum total of being a musician is something that interests me deeply. And in a lot of ways, in most ways, I would say it interests me more now than it ever has. Actually. I don't know. it, It felt like the first 20 years were, just a warm up really for a lot of the best things to come. So, um, I've been through a lot. I really have. And there's been some times where, you know, I was on the ropes, no question about it. I mean, you know, right before I joined, uh, Ryan Adams and the Cardinals, I was, I was really struggling, you know, and I was in my mid thirties at that point and I was living in New York and I was just kind of penniless. Uh, I was making, I was in the midst of making my No Wish to Reminisce solo record, and I was going through whatever I had to go through to make that album, uh, which I eventually did finish. But man, I was uh, I was just struggling at that time, and Ryan found me on the street, <laughs> literally in front of this club, and said, "Hey, you know, you want to join my band?" And and that was a, a that was a life changer for me. Um, I needed that really badly it, he he must have he must have he had heard you play or something what do you mean he just found you oh yeah right. no i had known him i know i had known him for for some years actually not well but but we were friends and you know i would run into him in new york i would run into him in all these different places like really just run into him in a record store in la or you know a bar in new york or somewhere in austin you know we would just always run into each other and actually, yeah, he and I um, knew each other because Jim Scott, who had produced my first record and a few of my records, um, produced uh, the Whiskey Town Strangers Almanac record. So we had we had Jim in common. So I had known him since '97 or something. Um, so yeah, he wasn't a stranger to me, but we had never really done anything. And yeah, I ran into him, and he said, "Hey, man, you know." join my band and uh and i did and it was uh turned out to be you know just such an incredible era playing with him and you know seeing his 
world of creativity and everything that, you know, he's all about. And it's just amazing. And to contribute to that was, uh, you know, opened up another chapter for me and helped me develop skills, you know. How is how is the transition from having your own work be the focus to to being a sideman? Uh, it was no problem, you know. I I had been doing the the other thing that was like running concurrently with my solo records for all those years was that I was doing session work, not like a real session man kind of, you know, super pro musician. I'm not really like that, but. Um, but I'm proficient enough to do certain things. And, um, you know, Jim Scott and this guy, a producer named George Draculius, who had actually produced the first, you know, the really, the first couple big Black Crows records. Um, I, I was friends with George and Jim, uh, in LA and those guys would throw work to me over the years. Uh, I'd play guitar on other people's records or, sing harmonies and I worked on just little things for some films and a couple of, you know, yeah, like Hollywood movies and stuff, but nothing big, but just, I, I would, I did a lot of other things, you know? Sure. sure. Um, yeah. Just being a guitar player and being a background singer. Cause I can like sing harmonies and do all this stuff. And, um, and I enjoy it. I always like doing that stuff. I, I like doing whatever I can do. Um, I just want to be part of good things. And if I'm versatile enough to use my talent in a variety of directions, then I'm completely cool with that. You know, um, my ego, I have one for sure, but it's, it doesn't, operate in the way that it that i have to be the center of attention um i i can be or i don't have to be it doesn't really matter that much to me and actually the older i get the less i like being the center of attention um so anyway yeah joining ryan wasn't his band wasn't a problem at all um i fell in with that group of people instantly i had known a couple of them a little bit anyway and it, it was just one of those things, like it just dropped r right into place. Um, Ryan and I had a, a, an instant uh, rapport on guitar uh, and singing harmonies. Uh, he and I just, without ever saying a word to each other, without having to speak, just had um, a really great chemistry. And we had the same sense of mischief, you know, and beauty when it comes to guitar playing and some of the stuff we're after. And, uh, you know, he's such a, I mean, the, it's well known how prolific he is. And, uh, but it's, you know, it's all true really. I mean, the guy works, uh, so hard on his music and his art and everything that he does. Uh, you know, and I was, I was completely into it. You know, we were touring, making records right away and, I, I got I got right into it, you know. So, and it was a it was a great great period of time for me. It, it gave me, uh, you know, a lift on so many levels. And he championed my photography as well. And um, yeah, so that was a. That I didn't know uh, you were a photographer. Uh, yeah, I well, yeah, I'm a guitar player with a camera, and I I. <laughs> I feel it my I feel it my duty to document my life and music and my life in general and yeah like um you know I took pictures of him and that my experience with the Cardinals and uh a couple of a couple of photographs ended up being a couple of album covers um for Ryan and and um and some other stuff too so um and they yeah I had a book out and stuff so that's another thing but uh but yeah playing with ryan was great and and what was cool about that too is it just it just expanded me you know i just got better in ways you know just playing my own music for all those years um i always challenge myself but you can you know, kind of get locked into your own patterns and playing with the cardinals like broke me out of um broke me out of patterns and then just new 
do spaces, you know, uh, and that's like, that's what the CRB has done for me and playing with Phil. And I love that, you know, that's what I kind of live for is to just sort of be, is, I don't know, to keep, keep expanding, you know? And it seems like, um, when you made that, le- I'm not actually, I don't know the circumstances around why that gig ended for you or if you left or, um, but, uh, and, and maybe that's worth talking about. Um, but, sure. uh, to follow that up, um, curious about, uh, speaking about the rapidly different world that CRB has, uh, you know, put you in as far as your, you know, the pool of musicians you are, uh, involved in now and have been since then. I mean, you know, Ryan Adams, maybe there's a little bit of crossover, but not really. I mean, he's, he's kind of in a different, different genre of, of American music than say where CRB is sat with all the, you know, the jam scene and the Grateful Dead connection. And, um, so I'm wondering what that transition was like, how, how it might've affected your guitar playing and your approach to music. And, um, well, it's different, but it's not as different as you think, actually. Um, you know, we're all, we're all kind of American rock musicians, you know, I mean, that sounds, that sounds kind of knuckleheaded, but just like, just in a general, in a general sense, like you could say this for me, Ryan, Chris, Todd Snyder, Dave Schools, all the people, all the people in the bands that I've been in, um, we all kind of know the same stuff and sort of came from kind of the same places, you know, different strains, you know, maybe Ryan was more indie than someone else, you know, but then again, Chris Robinson grew up in Atlanta, you know, and he was around REM when they were coming up. So, you know, people think of Chris a certain way, but he actually knows a lot more than you think. Um, it has wider influences than you would think. Same goes for Todd. Same goes for Dave. Same goes for me. So we're not that, we're not that far away from each other, really. Um, uh, so, and actually, you know, I met, I first met Phil Lesh through Ryan because hmm, they right. actually have some yeah. connections and yeah. Yeah. And people know about that. And Phil sat in with the Cardinals when we played the Hollywood bowl opening for Willie Nelson in 2006, I want to say, um, that that's the first place that I met Phil. And when I had this, uh, I had a book of photography come out that was centered. It, it was a, my documentary photos of Ryan and the Cardinals. Um, Phil wrote the afterword for that book and that's before the CRB even started. So, um, so it was sort of on its way, I guess, you know, um, the whole Phil thing. I mean, I couldn't have seen it then, but it was, um, you know, Ryan disbanded the Cardinals. He wanted to do something else. Simple as that. I think, you know, he goes through his eras with, music and a certain group and then he has to reinvent himself so i mean the simple that's what happened with that and it's totally cool uh yeah. you know as an artist that was his choice he made it all good and you know he's gone on to make all the great music that he's doing now so it, it, it's fine um and i yeah i took there was a couple years in between that or a year or something i made sweet in the distance and did a bunch of things and then the CRB started and that led me into this jam world, the Grateful Dead ish world, the Phil world, um, you know, which turned into, uh, which led to my role in the hardworking Americans, which, um, absolutely led to the music and circles around the sun. Um, let's see. Um, but you know, yeah, at the, the CRB is the, is the center of all that. Um, and Chris asking me to join that band and kind of see his songwriting partner in this group was another, another life changing thing really. Um, and it's been the best, you know, the past six or seven years for me in this group and all the other things that I've been lucky enough to do has just been the absolute best time of my life, I'd say. 
uh, in music and personally too. So it's cool. Uh, I have the CRV to thank for all that. <laughs> do you feel like you've, um, do you feel like you've tapped into a different part of your musicianship, um, being in this world than say you were previously when your solo career and with Ryan, uh, I guess specifically as like a, a guitarist, you know, um, as opposed to a songwriter. Oh yeah. No, no. Oh yeah. No question about it. Um, I've never played this much guitar in my life ever. I never even came close to playing this much guitar. I've played some guitar before too, but this being in this world has pushed me into places that I never saw myself going ever. Um, you know, in, 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 in every way from how I play to the equipment and, uh, just every part of it, you know, um, you know, with some of these jams and these nights with Phil, you know, I've found myself sitting, standing next to, you know, Jimmy Herring, which is just, <laughs> it's just, if you know anything about me and like where I come from with music, you would just know that what a ridiculous like idea that is, you know, I mean, that guy's, <laughs> I mean, he's a guitar genius, you know, and I'm really not, <laughs> um, I, I'm just, <laughs> kind of this, you know, scrappy songwriter who I figured a few things out, you know, and like how to exist in this world. But I've been clawing my way to survival with all this. So I, I've had a few moments where I'm just like, what am I doing here next to Jimmy Herring, you know? And he's such a sweetheart. He's like, oh, you're great, you know? But <laughs> I, it, it it doesn't make sense to me, you know? There, yeah, there was another night that, Derek Truck asked me, "Hey, come and sit in with us," <laughs> and that was really a a, a shock. Um, yeah, like okay, I have to solo after you. Right. Oh, really? <laughs> How this isn't this is something? This is this was really weird. Um, but um, you know, my sense of humor saves me in those situations. Um, but yes, playing with Phil which started in 2012, really when Terrapin opened, you know, and he started calling me to play there. And that, that, that was a challenge for me, uh, that really changed everything for me. The CRB had started that, but, you know, for the first two years that we were playing these two set three hour shows, uh, you know, Chris, that was Chris absolutely like, encouraging me, pushing me forward. Like, come on, man, you can do it. You know, play this way, get into this, like push yourself further. You know, um, mm. it was, it was through him that I started all this. You know, I, I don't think I would have done it on my own. I wouldn't have had the confidence and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought to do it. Uh, so Chris really, you know, it starts with him. Cause, and he said, yeah, write songs with me. Let's make these records. You know, we're going to do this. Um, a very ambitious idea, you know, and for him starting a band, you know, all of us starting, a, starting a brand new band in our forties, like a really a band too, not right. a, so, not a singer with a solo trip, you know, sure. like, yeah, not like, Oh, well, I'm this guy from the black crows and I'm just going to have this, you know, solo record that satisfies me for a year or six months. And I'm going to split like, no, like really a band, an actual band. I mean, to do that at our age, not that we're so old, but still, it's not easy to start bands at any age. It's not easy to start a band when you're 20, um, let alone 42 or whatever we were. Um, so, like, it, it, that starting the CRV and making it work, getting it to fly, took such a, a monumental effort and, like, belief from everybody it took, it's taken us so much to get this going, you know, it's so rewarding. I can't even describe it really. Uh, it's a huge, it's a huge thing for us. Um, but that's what got my playing my guitar playing, certainly going in this deeper direction. And then it led me to Phil. And, you know, when I started playing with Phil, I didn't really know the Grateful Dead songs. I knew them all in my head as a fan, but I'd never learned to play them. Cause I was making solo records all those years, you know, yeah. I didn't, I don't play in cover bands. I never did ever. Um, 
So to play with Phil, I had to learn the Grateful Dead catalog instantly. You know what this is like. You <laughs> <I know>? do. <laughs> yeah. And as a yeah. drummer, I mean, uh, it's, it's the worst, you know, it's a really difficult place to be. Um, so you, you know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know how well you knew all the, the catalog, but I didn't know it very well uh, at all. I, I impressionistically knew the material, but that does not, that's, insu- that's insufficient when it comes to the Grateful Dead canon because there's so much detail right. in those arrangements that, yeah, yeah you, you have to know it and it takes a lot of work. So, uh, but I was determined to, to swim and not sink with Phil. I respect the guy so much that I, I, it was a point of pride and, and a real uh, genuine desire of mine to do well, you know, and to respect that music and do the best that I could, you know? So I learned everything that I could and it, 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 it made me a better player. It really did. Made me a better player and singer. It made me a more serious musician. I saw his work ethic. I saw how seriously he takes his equipment, you know, even just his amp and his guitar. And then, you know, all those people are like, you know, Bob, all those cats, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a level of consciousness that is very rare. Um, and it kicked my ass, frankly, it completely kicked me in the ass and it woke me up. Not that I was in any kind of malaise, but I was doing all right, but I I still had work to do. And, you know, Chris lit the fire under me and then I got around Phil and it, that, that really lit the fire under me. And it, it's, um, yeah, it changed my trip, man. Just made me better. Got me into it more and got me excited. You know, it just inspired me, uh, to think about custom guitars and amps and how far you could push things and, uh, and just practicing the guitar more and making my sound better, making my playing better. And then realizing too, like, there's an audience in front of, there's an audience for this, you know, the CRB's audience started to grow and there are people in front of me. So, uh, which wasn't always the case when I was younger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I did playing to very <laughs> tiny audiences. Um, so it, it's just an opportunity simply put, I'm being very long winded right now, but, uh, it's a, it's just opportunities were in front of me and I didn't want to waste them. And I got psyched, I got inspired, and it gave me like another wind and kind of another life as a musician, you know? And I've been just kind of on that, just been in that zone for, I don't know, four or five years now. And it's uh, been a blast, quite frankly. That's that's, that's such a great, great stuff. Um, where, where, where would you see yourself, like, where would you like to see yourself in, in say, five to ten years? Oh my God. Well, I'll be well into my fifties by then. That alone is a hard thing to even picture. I have to just get used to that because I never really saw myself past maybe where I am now. I don't know. Entering into some <laughs> uncharted territory coming up here. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's hard to say like what exactly I want. Um, because you know life just sort of takes its own course and what are you going to do but uh, i'm just going to keep on working really hard that's it and i just want to keep this focus thing going and just keep getting better as a musician uh you know i barely know anything right now um the fact that i've gotten by on this little knowledge of music is um is is amazing enough. So I figure if I keep learning and trying to improve, then good things will happen. I, I would I definitely want to still be doing this in five years. I don't have plans I don't have plans of a career change, that's yeah. for sure. Um nope, I'm in. You think you'll uh try to make more solo records? Yeah, I think I would like to make another one, you know? Um yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't have, yeah, I, I definitely, I have songs, you know, that I just had laying around. It would be nice to record them. Definitely. And I like to sing, you know, 
I don't do as much of that anymore. Um, but so it seems is good. It seems like you are you you do have a lever uh, a level of comfort with CRB that you know you you have enough of. It, I get the impression that you you have uh, a lot of your creative needs met to a certain point in that band. And, you know where it's not like, oh man, I'm just in this band, but I can't wait to make my own record again, you know? You know, yeah, you know what? I'm, you actually really hit something important uh, there for me lately. Um, it, and it's, it's, it's important to, for me to say it, you know, is because I like the people that know me or know of me, uh, you know, the whole like trip has been like, oh my God, you're doing all these things. You're in so many bands, you know, like, and I guess I, you know, I have been for a few years, like, um, so I've been doing all this stuff, but, um, it doesn't come out of frustration. You know, I'm actually not frustrated. I'm not in the CRB thinking like what you just said. I, I don't sit around going, you know, I can't wait until I can make another solo record because, you know, I'm not getting, because I'm not satisfied here, or I can't wait to go play with Circles Around the Sun, because I'm not getting enough of what I really want here. It's actually not true. Um, I do all this other stuff. I've been doing these things just because I can and because it's come to me, you know? And um, and like I said before, I don't have a, I have a life that allows it. You know, I don't have... I, I just have the time to do it. So I just do because I'm alive and my hands work and, you know, and I've, and I've, uh, you know, like built up this skill set over the years that tells me that I should just do it because it's there to do, but it's not out of frustration. I'm not frustrated. Uh, I'm actually more than, I'm so satisfied. I'm not complacent. There's a lot of things I want to do. That's for damn sure. But yeah. I'm not frustrated, you know? Um, you know, like making all those solo records for all those years. Uh, it was hard to do, but I did it. And I had a lot of room to do what I wanted to do. And the lack of like kind of, you know, commercial or whatever financial sort of success, success there I don't feel shortchanged. I don't think like, man, you know, I should have had bigger hits because no one understood me and they didn't see how great I was. Uh, you know, it was their fault. I, I don't think that. I don't feel that it was someone else's fault. Um, you know, if being the age now of the A&R guys that were looking at me when I was in my early 20s, you know, the people that passed on me, Honestly, like if I saw the 22 year old me in front of me now and I was had signing power, I probably would have passed too. I would have said, look, man, you're good, but just keep going, you know, like keep working on it. So, um, and that's exactly what you did. You've done. Yeah. Right. Like I, it took me this long to figure it out. Like, I don't think any, I'm not that bummed about the past. I mean, and if I am, it's only because of where I came up short, not where someone like shortchanged me. Right. Um, for the, for the most part, I mean, there's a couple people out there. I got a few <laughs> words for it now, but, um, but seriously, like it's all on me, man, you know? And at this stage of my life, I'm not, I am not at all frustrated in the CRB. This band allows me so much freedom. It's ridiculous. I mean, I can play pretty much whatever I want. I can, I sing harmonies with Chris all night. What a great person to sing harmony with, you know, mm -hmm. I get to sing with that guy. Um, you know, he's one of the best singers you're going to find anywhere. I get, I write songs with him. He invites my ideas right in to the fold, you know, um, suggestions are welcome. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm an original member of the band. We started this together. We write the songs. We make the records. We put together our show. We play to people. Um, and then, you know, hardworking Americans, they saw me in the CRB and they invited me into their thing, you know, and I'm an original member of that band. Um, 
you know, I was able to contribute uh, generously to that group, you know, and be around those amazing people. And, uh, you know, Circles Around the Sun was just this sort of accident that came out of playing with Phil and getting noticed in that world. And, and the Circles Around the Sun group, I mean, that is a com- fully open canvas yeah. for me to play absolutely anything that I want. I can't come up with, you know, there's no, there isn't anyone telling me I can't do anything. I get to wear my own clothes. I get to play the guitar that I want and, you know, and show up being completely myself, being completely accepted for who I am in all of these situations. To say that I was frustrated would be, would be really hilarious, you know? So, uh, yeah, so if I make, you know, when, when, if, and when, or whatever, I make another solo record, and I'm not in a huge rush to do it. Um, it'll happen when it's supposed to. It will come only, uh, you know, just because it's something that I've always done. You know, I, I make solo records every once in a while because it's something I taught myself how to do. It's a part, it's a part of my function as a, as a, as a musician, you know. It's not coming out of uh, thinking, you know, anything but that. You know, what I mean, I don't have any grand designs to be some huge solo artist. Those days are over, man. I, I already, you know, I already, I already went through that. You know, so making a solo record now would be more liberating than ever because there would be nothing behind it. You know, there's no other ambitions or agendas or like trips or worries about it you know it would just be to make something beautiful and artistic and just you know add more nice songs to the world so uh frustrated i'm not i'm 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 very i'm just psyched to be doing this and i just want to use my time and my abilities every day that i can because um you know, not to get sappy, but I've lost a lot of friends, man. And, you know, you just got to do it while you can. And while I'm healthy and here and able, like we have to make, and, and yeah, you have to make your contribution. If you have the ability to do it, you really should, you know, yeah, you really should. Yeah. You really should, man. If anyone has the ability to do anything like this and you've got a little bit of a fire, you know, in you to do it. It's a really a great idea, especially if we're talking about artistic pursuits, it's a great idea to, to do it. You won't, I can't come up with any regrets over this. I mean, you just make some music, man. It only helps people. So anyway, that's my wrap. <laughs> <laughs> And there you have it, folks. Neil Casal. So good, right? So good. All right. Well, that's all we got for this week, this two weeks. If we, I'm going to try out this new schedule, but I will see you back uh, soon enough. And I'm sure you've got all sorts of other stuff to listen to. So, uh, you know, don't be too sad. But uh, keep the feedback coming. Just I appreciate all your support and you tuning in. So feel free to share this on social media. Tell a friend. Heck, tell two friends. But until next time, uh, stay cool, stay warm, wherever you are, um, make good decisions, and I will see you soon. Take care. Much love, my friends. Bye-bye.